You're listening to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast. For more information, check out our website at www.shorelinecc.com. Good morning, everybody. And again, Happy New Year. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I invite you to pull them out or get your phone out and look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10, this has been resonating in my spirit as I begin just to think about the new year and pray through the new year. Uh, the Lord brought me to this because the new year, it offers us a, a great opportunity to reflect on the past as well as to look to the future. Two things in play. How many of you have already taken that opportunity to kind of reflect on the past? Are, are you those kind of people you kind of re- review the last year? Was that fun for you? Do you enjoy that? It, it's a mixed bag, isn't it? I know even as a family, we gathered around the table and we began to kind of reflect on what were some wins from this past year? What were some challenges from this past year? And we began to talk about it, and it actually became encouraging for us as we began to think about some of the things that we enjoyed, uh, some of the things that God provided as we walked through, and whether it was relationally or provision, whatever that may be. And I know even for me, at the beginning of each year, there's always certain goals that I set for my life. That's a good thing to do in the new year, isn't it? But I began to, re- to, to re- reflect on the, on the last year, and I had uh, one goal that I set for last year. It may seem like a small goal to some of you, but one of the things that I really set out as a goal, and I, I even I put it in, in my goal planning, is I wanted to go salmon fishing with Micah this year. Micah uh, loves to go salmon fishing, and I'm like, this year we're going to go salmon fishing. And we did it. I met, we met that goal, didn't we, Micah? We met that goal of salmon fishing. This coming year, our goal is to actually catch salmon when we go salmon fishing. <laughs> So that's the next step. But we went, we got the gear, we're there. So check. Another goal that I had is I had a goal of last year that I wanted to be healthier, I wanted to eat healthier, and I wanted to lose weight. How many of you have ever had that goal? Man, this is the year, I'm going to eat healthy, and I'm going to lose weight. Well, the Lord had more for me because I actually gained weight this past year. (laughs) But I put that down, Lord, I want help me get healthy, help me get, get there. But everything begins with a plan, doesn't it? And that's what this new series is about. It's about a game plan. See, the Lord, he's revealed for us where we need to go, but we need to pay attention to God. What is the game plan? As we begin this new year, as we begin this new season, what is that game plan? Because when I look through the word of God, I see these promises like what we see in John 10, 10, where Jesus said, I have come that you may have life to the full. And he wasn't talking about weight gain. But he was saying, I have come that you may have life to the full, abundantly, exceedingly. But does that seem out of reach to you sometimes? I know it does for me at times. So as we look to this new year, especially as a community of believers, I want us to take this first month and to look in and say, God, what is the plan? What are you telling us? What are you speaking to us? Because sometimes we know the plan, but we forget. How many forgetful people do we have here today? Sometimes we forget, and we need to be encouraged, and we need to be reminded. So today, I'm here to encourage you and to remind you through this month about the plan that God has, a plan filled with hope, a plan that has a great future for us as we commit ourselves to him. And this all begins for us today as we look at John chapter 10, And we're looking at verses 1 through 10, and then we're going to jump ahead to to 27. John chapter 10 begins by Jesus saying this. He says, I tell you the truth that anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. 
The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to him again. How many of you have been there? I'm here, but I don't understand. <laughs> this happens all the time. So Jesus explained it again. He said, okay, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. So he says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastors. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And some versions say an abundant life or life to the full. Let's jump ahead now to verse 27. Verse 27, Jesus says again, he says, My sheep, they listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand because the Father and I, we are one. Isn't that awesome? No one can snatch them away. These are the promises of Jesus that we're going to dive in today. And as we walk through this message today, I invite you to pull out your bulletin inside. There's a listening guide. Or if you're listening online today, we have a listening guide attached to it. But this will kind of serve as an outline. And I even encourage you to take a pen or a pencil or go all techie wherever you are and just to kind of jot down some ideas. Because I believe the Lord is going to be speaking to you today. I believe the Lord is going to be identifying some things in all of our lives. And he's also going to be calling you to those next steps that he wants you to take as we follow him. How many of you are ready to receive from the Lord today? So Lord, we receive from your word. Your word that is sent to give us hope, encouragement, and direction. Your word that guides us. Your word that lights up the path. And Lord, we want to follow you. We need to follow you. So we give you thanks for it. Now speak to us. Speak through me today. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, oh God, be acceptable in your sight. My God, my rock, my redeemer. And everyone said together, amen. Amen. So it all begins with life. We all want life to the full. So when we read this in John 10, 10, and it says, I've come to give you life to the full, we're like, I'm in. How many of you have ever been driving your car and you've seen the gauge go down to empty and you kind of fear starts to come in your life? happens all the time. God has come to give us life to the full. See, we were made for this desire. When God made us, he put this desire in us for the life that he was leading us into, this full life, this rich life, this abundant life. And see, marketers know this. They may not give, give a credit to God, but they know that we have this desire in us, this desire for more, this desire for a rich life. That's why as we get closer and closer, especially to the Super Bowl, you're going to see all the commercials start to ramp up about, do you want a good life? Do you want lots of friends? Then eat this, drink this, buy this, look at this. Are you ready for it? <laughs> you even have the top 10 Super Bowl commercials because they put all their efforts, all of their funding into this time of the year when everyone is looking. But when Jesus, when we look at a full life, 
What does that mean? When someone says, what does a full life look like to you? What do you think about? What is a full life? Because we may be full. How many of you are alone? My life's a little too full right now. (laughs) There's a little too much going on. See, that's not what we're talking about. When we talk about that full life, that good life, that rich life, what does it look like to us? And think about that. Maybe you want to write down a couple things. What does a full life look like for me? What does a full life look like for me? See, when, when researchers look at this question, knowing that it is a question in, in most people's heart, they ask it this way. One researcher asked it, they said, what are the things that you want in life, but you just can't seem to get? What are those things that you really want, but they just seem to be out of your reach? Here's the list that came forth from that research. And I don't think any of these are going to be a surprise to you. But of course, at the very top, number one was happiness. We all want to be happy, right? Songs are filled with happiness. Who wants to be happy today? Okay. Money was on the list. Freedom was on the list. Number four was peace. And again, these are things that people want, but they seem to be out of their reach. I want happiness, but it seems out of my reach. I want money, but it seems to be out of my reach. I want freedom. I want peace. People want joy. Joy was number five. Followed by they want balance. They feel like there's no balance in their life. They want fulfillment. They want confidence. They want stability, and they want passion. These were the top ten things that this researcher found, but all of them said that these are the things we want, but they seem to be out of our reach. And when they asked why, what is the biggest challenge to you getting these things? Here are some of the responses that came out of that. The most common response from this was, I don't know what I want to do. These things are out of my reach, and my biggest challenge is, I don't know what I want to do. Another response that came from this is that the biggest challenge is there's a lack of clarity about who I am and my purpose. All these things, happiness, joy, peace, fulfillment, passion, My biggest challenge that I feel to getting it is there's a lack of clarity. One of the other big challenges from this was the feeling like I have something to offer now rather than feeling constantly as if I'm not ready and I need more training. So in other words, I feel like I have something to give, but there's no opportunity, and I don't know if I'm ready or not. I don't know if I need more training, so I'm kind of paralyzed in it. So all these things are just out of my reach. And then another big response is these things are all out of my reach because I am trying to overcome feelings of ineptitude and negativity because of setbacks. Have you ever been there? You see these things, they're beyond your reach, but you're overcome with anxiety. You're overcome with that feeling that I'm not qualified, I'm not good enough, I've had so many setbacks. But yet I want that joy, I want that love, I want that peace that's all there. Joy, love, peace? What does that sound like to you? If you've read the Bible... We find this in Galatians 5, don't we? We find that this is actually the fruits of the Spirit in our life. So the things that I want, the joy, the peace, all these things, this is a fruit from the Holy Spirit being alive in us. See, these are the things that we can just pick. So many times we want to go out and try to pick these things and grab them, but the truth of it is, this is the fruit that grows out as the Holy Spirit is alive in us, transforming us and renewing us. Amen? And we, we know this, don't we? This is the fruit. But so many times we forget. 
Why am I struggling with these things? It's that Holy Spirit, that gift of the Holy Spirit that comes in and transforms us, and then this becomes the fruit in the midst of every circumstance. So when Jesus says that I have come to give you life and life to the full, what is his definition of it? Because the researcher didn't ask Jesus. The researcher didn't ask Jesus. So we're going to ask him today, and we're going to look at his word, because he said it here. He said, I've come to give you life to the full. So when Jesus defines that abundant, that life to the full, here's what he meant. When we look at that Greek word, it means to exceed what we need. So Jesus says, I'm looking at you, I'm looking at what you need, and I'm going to exceed it. I'm going to give you more than you need. Over and above, more than is necessary, superior, and extraordinary. How many of you want that kind of fullness? More than you need, extraordinary, right? Every, superior in all of its ways. And he didn't say, I'm just going to give it to you or you or you. He said, this is for all who will come. This life to the full. And when Jesus is talking about this, he's talking about a life that doesn't easily fall apart. He's talking about a life that is eternal, that is long-lasting, that lasts forever. It's not something that's here today and gone tomorrow. It's not something that you went to the dollar store. No offense to the dollar store. I go there a lot. But it's, it's, but it's, it's not like something we got at the dollar store that was just made to last for maybe a month. This is long-lasting, eternal, forever. Forever. There we go. This is what it's about. See, Jesus' call for us is not temporary. Jesus' call for us is eternal. Forever with him. So he's calling us to this life. But he also knows that as we go after this and as we pursue this life, this life to the full, that it's something that you can't do on your own. It's something that Pastor Duane can't do on its own. It's something that none of us can do on our own because as we look at this whole analogy of game plan, we need a coach. We need a coach. We need someone to come through, don't we? How many watched that old 80s series, Coach? You know what I'm talking about? All right. Everything in me wanted to pull it out, but I'm like, I, there were people here that weren't even alive in the 80s. We need a coach. We need someone to come alongside of us. We need someone who, who is there. And we need the right coach because we can never fulfill our potential without coaching. See, the business world knows this. The athletic world knows this. That's why the coach is so important. That's why teams that have a losing track record, who do they start pointing to? Start pointing to the coach. The coach is so important. But oftentimes, we struggle with this idea because we'd rather do it on our own. Because see, a coach might say something to us that we don't like. A coach might say something to us that we don't agree with. But the evidence is overwhelming. Not just spiritually, but in every arena of our life, a coach is necessary and is needed that we can never fulfill our potential without it. See, in the business world, Forbes magazine looked at it and they asked the question, they said, what is a good coach? What does a good coach look like? And here are four things that they identified. They identified that, first of all, a good coach, one of the first things that they do is they create a safe environment. See, a good coach will create a safe environment in which people can see themselves more clearly. This is what God did to Adam, wasn't it? What did he say to Adam? He said, Adam, where are you? Did God know where he was? Yes. 
Did Adam know where he was? Not really. <laughs> and that's, that requires a safe environment. They provide a safe environment so you can see yourself clearly, but also a good coach identifies the gaps between where you are and where you need to be. So they create this safe environment so you can kind of see where you are, but then they also identify the gaps of here's where you are and here's where you need to be. A good coach will challenge you. How many of you have ever been challenged by somebody? See, a good coach, they will ask you for more intentional thought. They want you to think deeper. They will call you to action, and they will call about behavioral changes more than you would have asked of yourself. See, I could have never taught myself piano. Now, I had a good ear. I could kind of dink around and play a little bit, and I could have had fun. But I knew if I wanted to go further in piano, if I wanted to play these great pieces that I heard, I needed a coach. And I had a great teacher who, she made a safe environment for me. I doubted how safe it was at times, but it was really a safe environment. She showed me where I was and where I needed to be. My first lesson was, Dwayne, we have a lot of work to do. But she said, here's where you need to go, and you can do it. If you listen to me, you can do it. And she began to challenge me. I had to think deeper. I had to study things. She brought about behavioral changes because my practice now was not just fooling around and messing around, but it was intentional. She brought discipline to my life, even storming into my rehearsal room at times saying, Dwayne, what are you doing? That's not practicing. That's what a good coach does. A good coach gets on the field, and when they see bad technique happen or where they see laziness or slacking, what do they do? They get in your face. I've had that happen to me before. Because if you're going to get to where you're called, if you're going to get to where you hope to be, and better yet, if you're going to get where God has called you to be, these are the things that happen in our life. God's not looking just for agreement. Satan agrees with a lot of what God says because he knows it's true. He's looking for that wholehearted surrender, committal to Jesus Christ, allowing him to fill you and transformation. There's a transformation that takes place. Whether it's in music, my music was transformed. Whether it was in studying and academically, I was transformed in that way. And spiritually for our lives, which is the greatest, it is about transforming us. But it comes down, you need to have that good coach in your life. And in case you're here today, and you're like, well, you know, Dwayne, that's, that's good. That's passionate. You communicated it well, but it's all good in the hood. I don't need anybody. I don't follow anybody. I've heard no man is an island, but I am. <laughs> Here's a key truth that I think we need to realize. And the sooner that we get there, the more that we can get on with things. And one of the key truths is that we're all following somebody. We're all following somebody, whether we know it or not. And that's what Jesus is identifying here. See, when Jesus is looking at this, he's identifying the fact that you're following somebody. And he starts off by identifying one category, which is the category of the robbers and the thieves. Robbers and the thieves. And he says that the robber and the thief, they come only to kill and to steal and to destroy. These are the people that are in it for themselves. Is a robber in it for you? Is a robber in it for you? you? 
If, if not, you, you need to have a conversation with somebody if you don't know the answer to that question. A robber and a thief, they are not in it for you. They are in it for themselves. And he says both of these, and what Jesus means by putting these both in the same category, when he, when he talks about robber, he's talking about somebody who comes in by force, by using violence if necessary to get what they want, to take it from you and to keep it from themselves. This is one that you see. You see the robber. You know the robber. You identify. You've been hurt by the robber. They've come in and they've taken it from you. And many of us in this room, we've fallen victim to that. We've had people who've come into our lives and they've robbed us. By force, they've robbed us. They've taken things and we've looked at it and we've identified it. But Jesus also identified another method in this category, which he calls the thief. A thief is somebody who comes in more covertly. They're a little more sneaky. They're tiptoeing through the room. They're tiptoeing through your house. They're tiptoeing through your life. And they're often taking things that you don't even know about it. And I hear from those who've gone to Europe that they've often walked through and they've been pickpocketed and they've never known it until they've tried to do that. Have you ever experienced that? I've never been to Europe, but I've heard about it. I've heard about people who had money belts pickpocketed. That's a little weird, isn't it? This is who the thief is. And Jesus is saying, these are the people that are, in, that are in your life. These are the people, for some of you, who are coaching you that you're unknowingly following them, and they're pickpocketing you all the time. Think about some of the things that get taken from your life that you don't realize it until afterwards. Have you ever had time taken away from you? You've gotten to the end and went, how did all this time get there? Have you ever had a relationship that was pickpocketed from you? You thought everything was going well, and then all of a sudden, they're gone. Have you ever had money? You've gotten to the end of the month and went, where did all this money go? It's just been kind of wasted away, and I didn't even know about it. One of the biggest tactics of a thief is to distract us, right? To get you looking over here, talking to this person, and somebody comes up behind, and they take it. Oftentimes things are being taken because we're being distracted. Our eyes are not looking where it should be looking. Our ears are not listening to the things it should be listening to. We're not reading what we should be reading. And the whole time the thief is pickpocketing us. Stealing from us. And Jesus is identifying that, unfortunately, this is who we follow sometimes, unknowingly. But then he comes in and says, don't follow the robber and the thief. Don't allow them to come in. He's like, it's the shepherd. You need to follow the shepherd. And who's our shepherd? Jesus. Who's our shepherd? Jesus. Answer is always Jesus. <laughs> our shepherd is Jesus. See, Jesus is the one that he is in it for you. He's in it for your good. He's in it for your growth. He's in it. He even laid his life down for us. And Jesus identifies this as, this is who the good shepherd is. It's the one that they come in and they lay down their life for you. They're willing to give their life for you. And when I look at the good coaches that have been in my life, these are people who have sacrificially given to me. My piano teacher didn't need to run in my, re in my rehearsal room on her way home or on her way somewhere else and correct my teaching. That was out of her way. I've had coaches in basketball who went out of their way to call me. And this was back when a phone was something that went ring, ring on a wall, and you had a cord that you had to go around the hall and hope your little sister didn't come in and bug you while you're on the phone. He would call me. 
He would send other players after me to talk to me about things. He would send me to other players to help encourage them. Sacrificially giving and investing. This is what a good shepherd does. See, this is identified in Psalm 23. One of the first chapters that I memorized as a kid was Psalm 23 because I had a good coach. She's my kindergarten teacher. And she had us all memorized Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When he's your shepherd, there's nothing that you need. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. The shepherd, lie down in green pastures, still waters, clean, fresh water. He restores your soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness, right living for his name's sake. And he says, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This was pretty deep stuff for a little five-year-old. Even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even when death is there, when the shepherd's there, you're not going to fear any evil. Why? Because thou art with me. He's with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. The psalm goes on to say, he prepares a table before me. Where? In the presence of my enemies. You guys can preach this. He prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. See, for me, I'd be like, get rid of my enemies, and then let's go out and eat. But he's like, no, I want them to see the blessing. I want to give your enemies an opportunity. So in their presence, I'm going to prepare a table, and it's going to be good. In the presence of my enemies, he anoints oil, that healing oil, Your cup overflows. Think about that. That's your shepherd. The thief steals, kills, destroys. The shepherd's overflowing your cup. He's leading you even in death. I'm with you. I'm with you. We're, We're going over there. Death is here, but we're going over there. Follow me. The psalm ends by saying, Surely goodness and mercy shall what? Follow me. All. How long? All. Everything. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the one who gave me everything guides me, comforts me. He's like, you're going to my house. You're in my house. Not the robbers and the thief's house. And can the thief and the robber steal from Jesus? No. This is who Jesus is. This is who he is. And when Jesus is coming with all this shepherd analogy, he's using this because he, as the coach, he's calling people out. He's showing them, he's revealing. The whole purpose of this John 10, 1 through 10, is about Jesus revealing himself, and he's revealing himself to believers. He's talking to the people who believe in him and revealing his identity and saying, follow me, I pick you, I'm calling you out. Have you ever been that little kid at the end of the row when they pick teams and stuff, and you're always the last one picked? Does that feel good? It makes you not want to play again. But Jesus is saying, I'm picking you. I want you. I see you. 
You follow me. Look what I can do in your life as you surrender to me. He is calling you out. He's revealing his identity. And when Jesus calls you out to be a part of a team, he's calling you to a team that never loses, never fails, never runs out of Gatorade. It's all there. And even when the refs get it wrong, he overrides the refs. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm not trying to say anything. All I'm saying is that Jesus is calling you to a team that never loses, never fails, no matter what, no matter what you see. He's like, I'm leading you forward. And we know this. But the thief comes in and tries to steal and pull things and tries to bring doubt in our life and tries to make us feel inept. And the whole thing is, well, you know what? I am inept, but Jesus is in me and he's not. It's about Jesus. It's not about what I can do. And the Bible even says that in my weakness, he is made strong. Are you feeling weak? Lean into Jesus. He's strong. This is the call. If we look into the shear and we're worried about it, or we're looking to the shear and we don't know where to go, do you know what my problem is? I'm looking at me. I'm weak. I've made mistakes and I'm going to make some more. But Jesus is transforming me. And when he's alive in me, there is no fear because I'm with him. And even in death, I will not fear because he's with me. And even when I'm feeling hungry, I will not fear because he is with me. And he's going to provide everything that I need no matter what it is. This is our shepherd. And sometimes we forget. Either the violence has happened in our life or someone's been pickpocketing us and we forget. And he's saying, don't follow them. Don't pay attention to them. Come on to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest. You know, one of the great jazz musicians, Louis Armstrong. How many jazz? Come on now. I believe jazz is going to be the soundtrack to heaven, but I'm open to other, you know... Um, <laughs> One of the greats, he said, the secret is not knowing what notes to play. The secret is knowing what notes not to play. <laughs> Do we ever play all the notes and we're just throwing everything at it and it's just a concophony and confusion and we're like, why isn't this working? See, Jesus is saying, let me write the music. <laughs> You need some rest right now. You need one note right now. You need a band right now to come around you. This is the way of Jesus. But sometimes we miss his voice. And I hear this all the time. When it comes to hearing God, and we'll be talking more about that in the future, but sometimes we go, God, why am I not hearing you? Sometimes we don't hear God because we're not going to the practices. We're missing the practices. We're not reading the playbook. We're not reading what he's given us. He's like, this, these are the plays. Read it. Study it. Know it. We're going to practice them. I'm going to test you in these. And then we get to the game and we're confused or we feel like we've been benched, or it's not there. We're like, what's going on? It's like, well, you haven't been to the practices. You haven't read the playbook. So now the coach is saying, blue 23, blue 23. You're going, what? When you're in the practice, you also, you know when to look at the coach. And you know when he's going, go do it. But if you're not at the practices, if you're not reading the playbook, if you're not following out, you're going to be confused because you don't know the voice of God. 
God is saying, are you willing to spend time with me? Are you willing to lean in? Are you willing to listen to my voice? Are you willing to trust it? Are you willing to read my word and study it so that you know it, so that when something is spoken, you're going, that's God, or when something is spoken, you're going, that's not God, because that's against what's right here. All of this comes into knowing the voice of God and hearing the voice of God and now walking in confidence. I've been to the practices. I've shown up. I've been with God privately. I've been with him in the body of Christ. I'm studying his word. God is always with us. He never leaves us, never forsake us, but sometimes we ignore him and we're not leaning into it. When I pray for my kids in the morning, I stop praying. I used to pray, God, let your presence be with them. And then God corrected me. He's like, Dwayne, my presence is with them. I'm everywhere. They need to be aware of my presence. So I began praying, God, let my kids be aware of the presence of God and lean into it and obey. And then God said, you need to pray that over yourself. God, let me be aware of your presence around me every day, listening to it and obeying it. He's everywhere, but we forget. He's saying, show up to the practices. Read the playbook. Go out and try it. Are you going to fail? Yeah. But you learn step by step by step by step. But it comes with denying yourself and following Jesus. Every great coach says this. See, when I was in eighth grade, um, I had an opportunity to join the high school basketball team. That kind of tells you how bad they were. Because I came from a part of the country where hockey was king. We didn't have football, and we didn't want to build an ice rink up here. <laughs> well, we wanted to. But yeah, that's, that's our high school team. When the coach showed up when I was in seventh grade, he had a basketball team full of hockey players. <laughs> now, scores in basketball are like 98 to 87, right? So what happens in basketball when you score, no big deal, we got a bunch more to do. But when a hockey player scores in a game that's like two to one, they're like, we scored! So we had hockey players that would put it in the basket, and they're high-fiving each other, hugging each other, while the other team goes down and scores. <laughs> this was day one. Now, this wasn't every team in the area, but this was a team that was not winning, a team that was losing, a team that was filled with people that they were just there just because it was something to do. The coach came in, started running them, and team players started talking back, well, who are you? And the coach was like, I'm the coach, who are you? And he began running them and running them, and he couldn't get them to deny themselves and follow him. They just wanted to have fun. He tried to get them to run, and they just would not go through all the, the fitness that is required of basketball. So know what he did? He kicked almost all of them off the team. said, you're done. This was his first year. And he went down to eighth grade, and actually seventh grade. He went down to seventh and eighth grade and said, all right, who wants to play basketball? And in seventh grade or high school, you're like, I do, I do, I do. He's like, do what I say, be here, don't miss a practice, and we will build a team. So he had a high school basketball team made up of seventh and eighth graders with a few high school guys that wanted to kind of stay in and see what would happen. So we get to my eighth grade year playing high school basketball. Do you know how many games we won that year? You know it, don't you? (laughs) We won zero. But every practice is like, we're getting ready. The rumble's coming. <laughs> he practiced us. We went over plays. We looked at all these 
these game films from Pistol Pete, and I'd never heard of Pistol Pete. You ever heard of Pistol Pete, right? All these things and players I'd never heard of. This is before the internet, okay? And we're practicing. We're doing all this stuff. We're running. And because we're young enough and we're hungry enough and we want to belong enough, we're, we're, we're doing it. So eighth grade year, nothing. We get to ninth grade year, lots of excitement. We win half our games. Which was no one ever thought it would. Did a lot of training, a lot of training. Then we hit my sophomore year. We went undefeated. Was it because of me? Yeah, I I thank Jesus a lot. (laughs) But I'm here to tell you, it wasn't because of me. We had a coach that came in, and he knew this principle. And I'm telling you, athletics knows this. Business knows the principle. But sometimes the body of Christ, we forget. We have the coach. We have the shepherd. We have God Almighty wanting to transform us and pour in our lives. And in business, we'll go after the principles that we know that work. In areas of, of all these other areas of our life, in athletics, we have this high bar. As a body of Christ, are we going to walk this year and say, you know what? Jesus has called me out. He's picked me. He never fails. He always wins. But you have to deny yourself. If I'd showed up to my coach with a playbook and said, here's what I think we, we should do, he'd be like, no, I show up and said, coach, what do you want me to do? What do I need to do? I, I put a basketball rim in my backyard, and I, was, I, I would literally shovel snow and just shoot because my coach told me to do it. Are we willing to do that spiritually? What does it take? I don't care how cold it is. I don't care how wet it is. I don't care. God, you tell me to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to study your word. I'm going to gather together. I'm not going to miss the the practices. I'm not going to miss the team meetings. I'm going to come together. You call me, and I'm going to do it because I don't want to miss it this year. I don't want to miss it. I don't want my family to miss it. I don't want the city to miss it. I don't want my community to miss it. I want to be a part of what you're doing. Are you with me today? This is the voice of God speaking to us, and he's calling us, and he's saying a word to us that we know that we need to be reminded of, that he's saying, are you willing to deny yourself self everything and follow me because he's looking at you and going i pick you i see you i pick you i want you you're on will you deny yourself and follow me will you be with me this is who jesus has called us to be jeremiah said it this way jeremiah 29 under the inspiration It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. As the worship team comes today, this is the call of the Lord. Jesus is looking at you and he's saying, are you, are you willing to deny everything and follow me? I've created a safe environment. Our goal, even as a body of Christ, this would be a safe place to come in to process and to walk it through. 
He identifies the gaps in our life from where we are and where we need to be. How many of you say, I've, I've got some gaps in my life? <laughs> Just, there's gaps in my life. And then he comes in and he shows us where to go. But it all begins with denying. Whether you're a child all the way up to a senior, this is the call. So if you're new today, the challenge is to deny yourself and follow him. If you've been here for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, God is not done with you. We need you. There is a generation living outside of our door. They don't have an uncle they can trust. They don't have an aunt they can trust. They don't have a mom or a dad they can trust. They're looking for someone they can trust who's going to love them. Do you recognize the opportunity that you have? To encourage, to love, to mentor. Amen. Let's all stand together. As Pastor Michael leads us in this song, the challenge is this. There's a whole bunch of questions at the end of your listening guide, and there's some that's, that, that's up here. Here's the question that I ask God. I say, God, reveal to me something that I have not denied, <laughs> something I'm holding on to, something you want to set me free of, something you are working in, you're putting a finger on saying, you need to let go of this, Dwayne and then follow him. God, how are you calling me to follow you? We can get really comfortable. God's saying, I don't want you to be comfortable. I want you to be on purpose. I'll give you rest. We'll have those times, but I've got something for you to do. Let there be a hunger inside of you. God is doing a new work. Do we not see it? Allow the Lord to open our eyes to not let anything come in, to not let a thief come in and pickpocket us and start all these little things. Let's seek the Lord as we sing this song together. My response to the Lord is, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Show me, speak to me, empower me. Where I'm weak, let me be reminded that you are strong. As we worship today, let's listen to the voice of the Lord.